0: From Hanover, Welcome to All the Difference, Conversations with Dartmouth Changemakers. I'm Tracy Dustin Eichler, Director of the Dartmouth Center for Social Impact. Our Dartmouth alumni forge careers of impact and demonstrate that there are many roads to change making. As leaders and innovators across the social sector, business, and government, they make meaningful progress on our world's most complex challenges. And we want to hear all the ways they do it. At the Center for Social Impact, we educate Dartmouth students to become the next generation of changemakers. This podcast is for them and all those who seek to make an impact. Thanks for listening, and now here's our host, DCSI Assistant Director Henry Doe Rosario.
1: In today's episode, I chat with Warren Valdmanis, class of 1995. Warren is a partner at Two Sigma Impact, a private equity firm focused on creating value at companies by investing in people and creating good jobs. He's also the author of Accountable, a book about how socially oriented investors are working to build a more just and sustainable version of capitalism, a topic he is deeply passionate about. Let's jump into our conversation with Warren. Warren, um, the audience just heard kind of a a thumbnail sketch of your background, but we're here to take a a deep dive into your path towards social impact and, and the choices that shape that. So to start, simply put, can you describe the social challenge you're trying to solve right now?
0: Yeah, so the the social challenge we're trying to solve right now has to do with workforce issues, uh, particularly as it pertains to private equity-owned companies. So let me explain that. So um, my business, Two Sigma Impact, goes and buys small and medium-sized companies. Uh, But the thesis uh, that we have is that we can buy those companies and make them more valuable by investing in workers. That's not always how investors approach workers. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes people think they can make companies more valuable by cutting workers. Uh, but the thing that we observe is that in this economy today, the, the biggest challenge many companies have, especially in, in, in future of work categories like health care and the jobs required for the energy transition, the biggest you know, challenge many companies have today is that they don't have enough uh, motivated, talented people that are committed to doing the work uh, for them to be able to grow. Mm-hmm. And, and we're hearing this again and again. And so my industry, private equity, uh, has long sort of thought of workers as costs to be reduced. And we're trying to flip that model on its head.
1: Got it. Yeah, no, I, I definitely heard private equity. Don't know much about the space. But I, I heard that and I heard, you know, we make companies leaner by laying off tons of workers. I think that's an association many folks might have. So in in focusing on workforce development and and maybe a different perspective on labor do you feel like you're solving a, a business problem? I mean, you just laid out kind of the benefits for companies or
0: sectors. Is that fair to say? Well, happily, it's both a business problem and a social pro- mm-hmm. problem. Uh, and as a social impact investor, you know, we, we seek to find that intersection of the social and the commercial. But let me describe the, the social problem because the social problem is a very big one. Tell me. So um, post-World War II, um, there was a sort of 30-year period where productivity in the United States went up pretty dramatically. hmm and worker pay went up almost exactly in tandem.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And, and that's because there was a, a broad realization that um, broads, you know, broadly shared prosperity was good for America. You had a lot of people coming back from World War II. Um, and I think there was a sort of general esprit de corps in the country that we wanted to make sure that we were sharing the benefits of productivity broadly across workers. Since the early 70s, uh, those lines have diverged dramatically. Mm-hmm. So productivity has continued to, grow, to go up. Uh, and at the same time, worker pay, average worker pay, has more or less flatlined uh, since the early 70s in, in real terms, adjusted for inflation. And, and that's largely because of this ethos of you know, workers are costs to be reduced. We need to squeeze worker expense so that we can make pr- uh, companies more uh, profitable. Mm-hmm. And without getting into all the, the, the sort of moral questions around that – um, the, the, the real uh, result of all of that is that many workers have been disenfranchised. And, and when you trace a lot of our social problems back deeply enough, um, you know, inequality, diseases of despair, what, what have you, um, you will often find problems in the workforce economy. And so it is our view that this is a, an enormous uh, social issue, but it's also a business issue. So when companies, can't, uh, when companies are, have, have got so much deferred maintenance around how they treat workers, they can't operate efficiently. Uh, I've been an investor now for, uh, you know, for a long time, uh, and I have found that the best companies are the ones that actually take their workers and their needs seriously, listen to the workers. In fact, the best companies are often the best uh, employers and, and generate good jobs at the companies that they uh, – um, you know, that, that the employment that they provide. I want
1: I want to get I'm going to put a pin in the the good jobs um component there cuz I I want to get your definition on that. But honing in on the social issue component, I I feel like what you just described is going to resonate with a lot of people listening right now in the wake of COVID and you know we're recording this in in 2023. When when did you start engaging with this issue?
0: So, um you know, the, this issue became a focus for for my career uh, about seven years ago, so um, I, I've been an investor for for a while. But um, when I was working at a company called Bain Capital, mm-hmm. uh, I I got approached by a person named Governor Deval Patrick. Mm-hmm. I people uh, and, know him. Yes, <laughs> and and he was a, a, he a, he is a, a very popular two-term governor of Massachusetts, um, but he's a he's a great man in many ways. And he he approached me and asked me uh, to help him build a business called Bain Capital Double Impact. So it was the first social impact. Investment unit at one of these private equity uh, Mm -hmm. companies, and so I decided to do that. So I joined him around 2016.
1: Why why did you decide to do that?
0: Well, if you, you Governor Patrick's a very uh, (laughs) persuasive individual, and if you you spend half an hour with him, you could find yourself doing all kinds of things. But but um, but the truth is, I had always um, wanted to find that connection between the social and the commercial. In Mm -hmm. fact, dating back to my days at Dartmouth. Um, I, you know, I've always been fascinated by how pursuing profit can, uh, if done properly, uh, be connected to uh, increasing the size of the pie economically for uh, to the betterment of, 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 of the country.
1: OK, so you had already, you know, at Dartmouth in college, you had some proclivity to, you know, maybe there's more to our current economic model. Um, and that was sort of in the back of your mind as you I mean, what, what did you do post Dartmouth and, and how did you maybe keep pulling that thread or, or s- did s- you?
0: So I had these sort of twin impulses. Mm-hmm. I, I had this desire that maybe uh, there was some way I could do something good uh, in the world. Uh, at the same time, I also arrived at Dartmouth with, um, you know, as a scholarship student with a lot of loans, mm-hmm. and very nervous about my economic future. So I did what many of my peers did. Um, I ended up, you know, going through the recruiting process with banks and consulting firms, and I ended up becoming a consultant uh, out of Dartmouth. Mm-hmm. and And I will say that. Uh, you know, I'm a believer that uh, helping to make businesses more efficient, which is what consultants do, uh, can be a very good thing. Mm-hmm. But it isn't always and everywhere and everywhere a good thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, and one of the things I realized is that this idea of efficient markets and this idea of sort of Adam Smith's invisible hand, which is the idea that if you, you know, go and seek your own self interest, you will axiomatically create benefit for others. Um, it is true some of the time, mm-hmm. uh, but it is not true all of the time, and that's uh, one of the, that was a disappointing finding for me because it was a really convenient thing to <laughs> to believe.
1: How, how did you learn that that it that it was a potentially true or or fully
0: true? So, in, in, you know, in between the theoretical and the actual, you know, practical application of how business works, um, there's a lot of uh, you know things that you learn. Um, but one of the things that you learn and, and you remember, um, you know, I graduated back in the mid '90s. This was a time of um, you know, a lot of economic growth, but also a, a, a view that um, you know, free trade was always a good thing and offshoring and outsourcing were good things. And, and, and by the way, I still believe that they are often good things. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you actually stared really closely at some of the collateral damage that just um, that, you know, laying off workers, uh, what, what that could do, especially if done in an in a inhumane or short-term sort of view um, kind of way, um, you know this this idea that workers would sort of automatically be swept up into other better jobs—that's just not how it works. Mm-hmm. And so um, I began to realize that um, that, you, that the invisible hand needs a little guidance. It's not as simple as close your eyes, do what's in your self interest, and then everything will sort of sort itself out in the end. Okay.
1: So then we fast forward to you're in a room with with Governor Deval Patrick, and he's you know pitching this idea for. Maybe like a, a better form of investment, or you know, more socially oriented form of investment, and you would, you were already kind of primed for that. Is that fair to say?
0: Yeah. So I'd had a, I'd had a, a career of about I guess um, you know nearly you know, a little over twenty years by the time yeah he, he reached out to me, mm-hmm. um, and I'd been I'd been lucky because I'd worked for highly principled organizations, and I'd been able to steer my own efforts in directions where I you know was proud to be involved with the various companies I was involved with, but at the same time. Um, it was never an explicit part of my job to take social considerations uh, into account. Mm-hmm. And so I was a bit primed because when, when Governor Patrick said, "You know, we can make this an explicit part of your job, you know, Bain Capital Double Impact had an, an explicit obligation to not only deliver but also to measure and report on the social and environmental good that it did. Um, that was very enticing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I admit that I was at first a little bit skeptical, um, but as I talked to Governor Patrick and, and as he described to me kind of how he had gone through his career, you know, never checking his conscience at the door, always uh, thinking about how he could improve the companies he was at, as I contemplated that and as I thought back through my own career, some of my best deals were in companies that I was extraordinarily proud to be associated with, mm-hmm. it, it began to occur to me that you know, investing with an explicit uh, social view uh, can actually be a really good way to invest, mm-hmm. and, and 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 it can be a way to um, meet that other part of uh, of me, which was you know, instead of just being a, a person who goes off and makes money during the week and then does something philanthropic on the weekend, um, it, it was a chance to bring those two things together into one into one job.
1: I don't know if you would describe yourself this way, but I feel like you've been one of the kind of key proselytizers around um, impact investing, social investing, uh, and you know you, you wrote a book essentially around that. Um, theory of change and and why people should should care about it. Um, in that moment, do you feel like you felt your calling? Um, you, you you know you you had always in the back of your mind thought yeah, i I really think I'm aligned with this concept called impact investing and now I can do it and I'm going to do it for the rest of my career
0: potentially. I don't know whether I'd call it my calling. I, mm-hmm. I guess I would. Um, it, it was it was it was energizing in, a, in an entirely new way. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it, it, you know, you don't write a book for any other reason I, I, that I can think of except for you're really interested in the ideas and you're mm-hmm. really interested in what um, that work can ultimately become. And so, I guess it's fair to say that it, um, I discovered my calling <laughs> sort of late in life.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I feel like it's it's pretty fair to say. But you know, maybe winding back the clock to your your senior year at Dartmouth, and you're kind of weighing this um, what what maybe felt like a choice between um, doing well, being you know, not just financially stable but extremely successful in, in the financial realm, and uh, quote unquote doing good. And I'm wondering, you know, as someone maybe from from somewhat l- low income background, um, I think I think that's gonna that choice is gonna resonate with a lot of students listening, with with a lot of young people in general. Um, can you walk us through that process of, of how you, I mean, you know, made that choice eventually to, to go into management consulting, but also kind of what was going through your, through your mind then, if, if you can remember. Yeah, that. yeah. no, I,
0: I can actually. Um, so my um, girlfriend at the time and now wife, uh, who was also 95, you know, she was very involved in the Tucker Foundation, mm-hmm. and and she encouraged me to get involved. So, um, just
1: as a for the audience listening, the Tucker Foundation was sort of the precursor for what is now the the Center for Social Impact and the the Tucker Center. So, go ahead. Sorry, Warren.
0: yeah. And so, so actually uh, one of the things I did, I did a couple of different things, but one of the things I did was I taught uh, French at the Woodstock Prison, um, which was an interesting uh, interesting wow. program. So I got to go inside of it. I think it was a light security prison and got to go in there and meet a guy who had uh, stolen a bunch of cars, and, and he was really interested in learning French so that he could uh, go you know, spend time in Montreal and, <laughs> and when he got out of, when he got out of, uh, out of jail. But anyway, uh, so I kind of had this idea that, and I think it was very common at the time, that I could sort of do um, you know, some form of uh, charitable work or, or philanthropic work in my part-time and then I would go and I would do, um, you, know, uh, you know, things to, to, you know, to 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 put money on the table mm-hmm. uh, in my, you know, my day job. And that those two things were sort of separate. And I was comforted by the idea that I, you know, that sort of economic orthodoxy around, um, uh, you know, sort of this this, this Adam Smith Adam, invisible hand thing. I was comforted by the idea that those two things, in some way, were could sing in harmony. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't really seriously consider the idea that you could have a job where you could do both. Mm-hmm. In fact, I'm not sure at the time that you could. Right. Um, I think you know, that's fair. There weren't yeah. a lot of options. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the reasons why I'm so um, excited to be involved with the Dartmouth Center for Social Impact is um, I love the idea of helping the next generation of Dartmouth graduates to see that the choices are, are broader now. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, last winter, we had a couple of um, uh, interns from the Dartmouth Center for Social Impact uh, working on in, in an investment shop that has this explicit social mandate, right? And um, and I hope uh, that um, people can see now that there is a um, there is more of a spectrum of choices available. You don't have to go hard uh, one way or the other, uh, hard commercial or hard mm-hmm. social. You can actually find jobs today that are, are more in the middle.
1: Yeah, maybe there's some social progress in that realm. I I feel like I have to unpack the the teaching. French in, in a prison in Woodstock. Because, you know, to, I want to give you some credit here. I, I don't think every Dartmouth student, anywhere close to every Dartmouth student in 1995 was, was thinking about spending their time doing that. So maybe, you know, you had uh, this, this girlfriend was obviously great, ended up being your wife. But, but why,
0: why did you decide to do that? Well, mostly I was trying to impress her. <laughs> okay. uh, uh, but, but in addition, I must say, um, so like, like other folks that were involved with Tucker— I was interested in getting to know the broader Upper Valley and what mm-hmm. was happening. And so that wasn't the only thing I did. Um, but I found this also just very interesting, the idea of going in and spending time with someone who I think he had one more year uh, before he was going to be released and, mm-hmm. and talking to him about you know, what got him in there mm-hmm. um, and, and, and how he felt about being in there and wh- how he felt about being released and what he was going to do next. I, I found that whole process also very interesting. And the idea that I could be Maybe a little, you know, maybe help him in some small way um, mm-hmm. was was uh, was also gratifying. But I admit that I was also just very interested.
1: Yeah, that's uh, fair enough. Um, I think we've all benefited from your, you know, you pulling that thread. Um, I, I don't suppose you know where that that man is today, do you? I'm, I'm not certain. I'm not certain. I hope he didn't see any fancy, uh, you know, nice shiny Camaros when he got out because yeah. he, he,
0: he he admitted to a weakness um, along those lines, but. Um, but uh, but but certainly uh, it was it was it was one of the memorable parts of my Dartmouth experience.
1: Yeah, and maybe I'm building a bit of an artificial bridge here, but um, I'm hoping this man got out of prison and he found a good job. And and you've talked a lot about good jobs and, and you know relating it to your, your impact investing work. C- can you define what what a good job is and why we may not
0: have enough of them right now? Yeah, so um, I love this question. Um, and, in fact, um, this has been a big a part of the sort of academic part of what I've been doing uh, as an investor over the past uh, past few years. So <clears throat> when we got started at Two Sigma Impact around this good job strategy, so basically the idea is invest in you know, growing job categories that are aligned with where the future of work is going.
1: Mm-hmm. Can you give an example of
0: that? Yeah, I mean, I, um, I mentioned earlier <clears throat> the caring economy. So okay. um, jobs in, in in healthcare or education where – those are unlikely to be sort of ai AI'd away, right? But there's also you know, a massive need for more skilled trades professionals in the, in the energy transition. There's a number of categories where we're just really short of, of qualified people. Mm-hmm. Um, but when we got started in this strategy, we had this idea that well, if we invest in those businesses, you know, they're naturally um, likely to be growing, uh, and they're people-based businesses. So if we you know, take um, human con- concerns, you know, people concerns uh, seriously, we can create better jobs. But well, we quickly ran into this question of, well, how do you measure that? Mm-hmm. Um, and how do you know whether you're doing a good job at that? And, and, um, and how do you report on it to your constituents? Mm-hmm. And so we said, well, let's just go find one of the good jobs definitions out there, and we'll just use that. <laughs> and um, and there are, now, don't get me wrong. There are many great thinkers on the topic of good jobs. Uh, one of my favorite is, is Professor Zeynep Tan at MIT, who has written a book called The Good Job Strategy, um, and another great book that recently came out, But what I'll tell you is there is precious little research on how to actually measure a good job. Mm -hmm. And so we spent literally uh, the better part of three years researching this question and specifically researching the question of where is there overlap between a good job from the point of view of the worker and a good job from the point of view of the employer? Mm. Because those are the kinds of jobs that if you create them, um, you're getting that dual commercial and social benefit. Right. And what we discovered after all this research um, is that a good job has four qualities. The first is fairness, meaning how you're paid, uh, you know the, your your benefits, uh, how you're scheduled, the basic terms of employment. Right. Most people, when they think about good jobs, they stop there, but that's not the whole story. The second piece we call growth. That's your your ability to grow your career within your job, to actually advance um, your objectives, uh, both compensation-wise, as well as just generally your career objectives. The third is leadership. So being in a context where you're getting good feedback from people who care about you, people who will listen uh, to your upward feedback, um, generally a place that's psychologically safe. Um, So leadership is an important dimension. And the fourth, uh, we call purpose. So do you feel like your work has some intrinsic value? Uh, Fortunately, most companies do exist for a reason. Most jobs (laughs) actually do contribute something to the world, Um, but companies do a a poor job generally of explaining that uh, to their workers. Mm -hmm. And so um, when those four factors are present, fairness, growth, leadership, and purpose, um, most people feel like they're quite fulfilled in their work. Mm -hmm. But furthermore, when those four factors are present, we know that companies grow faster, they're more profitable, they're more innovative, uh, and ultimately they're more valuable. And I'm not just saying that because of personal experience. Certainly, I have a lot of personal experience to back that up. We have been doing all kinds of research out there on public companies using our good jobs measurement heuristic, which has 12 questions. And what we have seen is time and again, where those four factors are present, companies just perform better. And you've got happier workers. Uh, this shouldn't be rocket science. In fact, it, 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 there's no part of that that I think comes as a surprise when it's described. Right. Um, it's just not a place that people have focused uh, historically. I I'd agree
1: with that because you know certainly no company. If you ask them, hey, do you, do you provide good jobs or bad jobs? I, th- I think they would say good jobs. But um, yeah, there's something lacking in the execution. You know, this is you know, the time of recording. We're also kind of in the in the wake of huge, uh, huge amount of layoffs in the tech space, and uh, I'm wondering. Is, are, are you the beachhead for this kind of uh, initiative or concept? Um, are, are you, you know, one of a few? Um, or, or is kind of ma- mainstream economics, the mainstream finance sector, kind of catching on to this?
0: So the mainstream finance sector is catching on, but, but slowly. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm happy to report that impact investing broadly. So yeah. the idea of investing with both a, a commercial and a social uh, or environmental lens is growing. Mm-hmm. So that's good. Um, not only is it growing, but there's more proof that it can be done effectively. In other words, there are more and more funds out there that not only have been delivering great social and environmental output, they've also been delivering great returns. And that's a great way to scale um, uh, an idea. So that whole notion is growing. Um, But it's being led still by uh, things around climate change. Mm -hmm. Um, So most of the money that has gone into sort of tailored strategies you know highly specific strategies and impact investing has been focused on the green transition right but increasingly and that's sort of the e in esg so esg is this idea of environmental social and governance matters you know more and more investors are measuring those esg characteristics but most of the money that's being dedicated to investing in strategies around that has been focused on the e we are focused on the s and we are seeing more and more um, interest in the S, um, and the S, as far you know, from our vantage point, it's about a lot of things. Mm-hmm. It's about diversity, equity, and inclusion. It's about health and wellness, um, but we think uh, jobs is a very important piece of all of that, uh, and and we are seeing increasing focus and interest in it. And it's not you know it's not just us. You know, if you a- actually if you um, read the report by the group Just Capital, mm-hmm. which is a um, a group that surveys. Um, you know uh, hundreds of thousands of Americans and ask them what they would like to see along ESG lines uh, from corporations and the top thing is always better jobs mm-hmm. so this this topic is becoming much um, more in currency um, but it's still we still got a long way to go
1: I feel like it carries a lot of political weight too I mean there's a lot of political discourse around the loss of good jobs not enough jobs
0: I think this is one area that is sort of um, it, you know nonpartisan I think right. it's an area where yeah. You'd never find uh, anyone on either side of the aisle saying that they don't think uh, that the, you know the country needs more good jobs, um, and so I, I do feel like this is an area where we ought to all be able to rally around it. Yeah, um, and I think frankly most companies are coming around to the idea that um, their workers are, an, are just an, a, a critically important piece of what they do, and and frankly investors too. Um, one of my friends likes to say that investors are used to investing in companies. If companies were cars. They're used to investing based on looking at the speedometer uh-huh. as opposed to being able to open up the hood. Uh-huh. What we're trying to do through this good job strategy is open up the hood on this question.
1: I really like that. Okay, so pivoting, uh, let's say, to, to students that are about to enter the workforce or, or considering, you know, what, what their career trajectory could look like. Do you have any advice for those students that are interested in, in impact investing um, in this space that you're in? How, how do you break into it?
0: Well, the, the, the first piece of advice I'd offer um, to students who are about to enter the workforce uh, is, is the advice I got from, from Governor Patrick, which is that um, you can bring your conscience with you no matter what kind of job you do next. Um, and so I would encourage um, folks, you know, no matter what they're doing next, whether they're going to work at a large bank, whether they're going to work at a consulting firm, whether they're going to work at some social enterprise, or whether they're doing something even more pro-social than that, um, I would encourage folks to remember that you can bring your values with you anywhere you go. Um, so you don't have to pick a social impact type of job to have to have social impact. Uh-huh. Um, and And by the way, increasingly, most companies are um, you know thinking about these issues. And so if you go work for you know a large corporate, um, you will have an opportunity to help influence it. But if you're interested in, in, in um, doing a job that has an, ex- an explicit uh, social impact component to it, there are more and more jobs like this. Mm-hmm. If, um, uh, Two Sigma Impact, the, the business that, that, that I started uh, four years ago with our partners at Two Sigma, is, is one of them. Um, but frankly, many investment shops today, I think just about every big bank, just about every big investment shop, they have vehicles um, where you can actually do this kind of work. It, it, I think it's also true of the large consultancies. I mean, many of the the places that come to recruit at a place like Dartmouth will have an option to get um, into this kind of work. So ask that question and push the people on the other side because if the answer is, if they don't have an answer, <laughs> they, they they should probably get one soon.
1: Uh huh. That's no, that's great. This actually, you know, maybe this will be our our final wrap up, and this is this is off the cuff here. So bear with me. What you just said and in, and in, in earlier in our conversation, I, I thought of the phrase. Doing good while doing well, have you heard of that? Of course right? yeah. yeah okay, so let's let's say I'm going to make you pick between four options. option one is you're, you're going out of college, um, doing good while doing well. Option two is doing well and then doing good at some other point you know after you've had a career maybe, or doing good and then doing well, and finally, doing good. Even if you're not doing particularly
0: well, so this is a really good question, and I think it's one that everyone has to answer for themselves, um, mm-hmm. but I'll tell you um, you know this idea of doing good and well at the same time is is a very attractive idea again i'll just reinforce it's not axiomatic um, it's certainly possible to only do one or the other in my experience it's also possible to do neither mm-hmm. um, <laughs> um, but 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 I actually think that um, the goal for least my goal increasingly, is to see what you can do by doing both at the same time. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think it's easier than ever to do both at the same time. So it it may not have been true in 1995 when I graduated (laughs) that that you could marry those two things together, but I think it's increasingly true today.
1: Fair enough. Thanks, Warren. And, and thank you for, um, I think, kind of a positive perspective on on where society is heading, which are hard to find these days.
0: Well, I'm, a, I'm an optimistic guy, but I, I there's uh, luckily some evidence to back it up, I think. So. <laughs> well said. All thank right. You, thanks Henry. for
1: joining us, Warren.